Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Lane Tech, Chicago's largest public high school, could be getting a new mascot. After more than 1,000 alumni called it, quote, wrong and racist, the school has taken the first steps to replace their Indians mascot. The symbol, a Native American man wearing a feathered headdress, has been part of Lane Tech for more than 100 years. There have been attempts before to replace the symbol, but the current national dialogue on systemic racism has given those efforts a second wind. Stuart Ang is a Lane Tech alum and played the school's mascot during his high school days. Stuart, welcome to Reset. Hi, thanks a lot. So let's get right into it. When you were there, when you were playing the mascot, how did you view the mascot back when you were in school? You know, I really tried to, uh, um, you know, imbue it with as much um, dignity as possible. And I played football for my first three years at Lane. And then my senior year, I said, I wanted to be the Lane Indian. And... So I, I tried to really bring a lot of respect to it and, you know, really get the crowd going. And at Lane Tech, the Indian is, is pretty ubiquitous throughout the school. And we were kind of, it was conveyed to us that the Indian or the warrior, you know, was supposed to convey, you know, character traits like bravery right. and leadership and steadfastness in the face of adversity. And so I tried to, you know, bring that character to, you know, my portrayal is is the lane indian on the football field okay so and and that that's fair and that's used to be the way that anytime there's any sort of native american imagery that seems to be the 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 way they you know the school or the organization uh explains it but how do you feel about it now you play you you were you were the school mascot and now we're seeing a, a, a new push uh during this time right now this reckoning to say maybe it's time to change so how do you feel right now i mean uh, about the idea of of changing the mascot like a lot of, you know, older alumni, I, I, you know, a lot of my identification of the school, you know, centers around the Indian. And I, I've been pretty reluctant to get on that bandwagon. We've had some younger alumni approach us saying that we need to get on board with this. And I, I, I at first, you know, was, was tempted to kind of push back at them. So I decided to do my own homework. And Florida State had, uh, they're the Seminoles, and, and they actually – got approval from the Seminole Nation to use that symbol and to keep going with it. And so they got the blessing. So I thought, well, I've always thought we represented the, the Indian, you know, honorably. And so I contacted the um, American Indian Center in Chicago to talk to them and see if we could get, possibly get some kind of endorsement. Mm-hmm. And so they, they referred me to their executive director, who's actually in Billings, Montana. So uh, Heather Miller uh, called me and I kind of relayed to her, you know, what was happening. And she said, Stuart, I I can't believe that we're even having this discussion in 2020. There's absolutely no way that a representative of this, uh, of the American Indian Center, I can think this is appropriate. Right. For years, we just didn't have the political power to push back on this. And now we do. Do you think there'll be a change, Stuart? Do you think as an alumni, and, and you know, there's a thousands of alumni that want the change, you think that the school will listen? Do you think there'll be a change? 
I do believe that there will be. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to happen very quickly. It, it's not even actually the, um, the school's decision at this point. It's first going through the local school council right. and then the north side network of schools. And then it goes to the to CPS. And actually, currently, there's a bill in front of the Illinois House that is going to mandate that any school that uses a Native American as its symbol, mascot, whatever you want to call it, is going to lose some funding or something. Yeah, so right, right. It's not even Lane's decision at this point. Well, we'll see what happens. Lane Tech alum Stuart Ang joining us now to talk about uh, the fact that he played the mascot and uh, how he's changed uh, a little bit of course on, on his thinkings over the years. Stuart, thanks for joining us. appreciate it. Thank you. And, of course, offensive imagery in sports is not exclusive to high school. You can only have to look as far as Washington, D.C.'s football team or you know baseball in Cleveland or why even go that far because – We've had plenty of that imagery right here in Illinois and in Chicago. Lester Munson is a sports legal analyst, and he's looked into the issue extensively, and he joins me now. Lester, welcome to Reset. Good to talk to you, Justin. How you Thank been? you. All right, so let's, let's get into this, because you heard Stuart right there talking about, you know, uh, the idea of the Seminoles in Florida State and, and even going to the uh, Native American Center to, to, to see if he can get blessing. But this idea that many organizations, both schools and organizations, seem to use that as cover, the idea that they've gotten blessing from a different community or a different organization. Is that enough? It probably is not enough, but I, I am sympathetic to Stuart and to, and to his generation of Lane Tech alumni. It is very difficult for someone who has spent four years of high school or four years at the University of Illinois, and then somebody comes and says, your mascot, the Indians of Lane Tech, or the fighting Illini of University of mm-hmm, Illinois, mm-hmm. is somehow reprehensible. Here it's been a source of inspiration, a source of all sorts of good feelings for you, and all of a sudden you're supposed to say, whoops, I was completely wrong. So it's no less than Roger Ebert had difficulty giving up the idea of the dancing Chief Alinawick in Urbana. He fought that for years, and finally even he came around to say this is patronizing, insulting, and to some extent racist. And so these changes uh, have to be made. Yeah, and, and right now seems to be the time as, as the world shifts its focus through this reckoning on systemic racism, institutional racism. And we think about it because the Chief Alinawek was, was a big deal in Chicago and the state of Illinois in the last decade as, as uh, the, both the alumni and the, and the school kind of went over it and they ultimately got rid of the, sh- the chief. But what led to that change? Was it a, was it a grassroots movement? How, how did that change go about? Re- refresh our memories about, about these fights that have had, we've had over the symbolism in, in recent memory. The Chief Alinawick went on for years, probably close to 20 years. At the beginning, various groups, both alumni and Native American groups, began to understand how insulting Chief Alinawick was. And then the main body of alumni reacted against that. Chief Alinawick, as you say, Justin, was huge. He, he would come to Chicago Bears games in Soldier Field and produce an ovation from all the Illini alumni who would be at those games. I mean, it was always kind of a shock to me to see how popular and what, what a kind of charismatic figure Chief Alinawick was. But gradually, over time... And then there'd be episodes like we've just had, periods like this, when, when your consciousness is raised. And finally, 
they came around, the Board of Trustees, which is an elected position at that time, finally they came around and realized they had to make a change. And, and they're not alone. There's a public university in North Dakota, the Fighting Sioux. They had to fight for years to change that name. Uh, and then, of course, as you mentioned, we have the Redskins, mm -hmm. the worst of them all, nothing less than a derogatory I can't believe that still. I can't epithet. even believe that, Lester. I mean, that's a racial slur. I, mean, I, I was listening to 1A last week, and they bleeped the name. And the fact that that organization and the NFL seem to turn their head because they're making money or not enough people argued about it or whatever it might be, it's offensive. It's offensive to every. I just don't understand how that is has not been changed. It is completely incomprehensible. When I was at Sports Illustrated, we had a group of people, the NFL writers, who finally agreed they would not use the term. They began to understand that Redskin was to Native Americans what the N-word is to African Americans. And, and that's exactly what it is. And somehow the Redskins organization and, to its everlasting disgrace, the National Football League have fought to preserve this again and again. There's been litigation. There have been things at the Federal Trade Commission. Um, I have about three feet of files on all of the things that have happened with Redskins, and still it persists. Unbelievable. I got to bring up the Blackhawks. I don't understand how they escape uh, any kind of conversation about changing their mask, their logo. They seem to somehow escape the idea of being lumped in with some of these others. Why is that? Why does the Chicago Blackhawks get away with this? And, and I know it's about honoring the tradition and everything that we've been talking about. But is there a push, and should we be thinking about that name as well? I don't think we need to think about Blackhawks uh, because Blackhawk was an Indian warrior. He was a leader of the Sauk tribe here in Illinois, here in the Midwest. He was an authentic hero to his tribe and to Native Americans. There were a series of skirmishes that became known in history as the Blackhawk Wars, and then... In World War I, we're going way back here, there was a division, an infantry division of the United States Army that became known as the Black Hawk Division in honor of the great warrior Black Hawk. And one of the guys in that division was Frederick McLaughlin, and it was he who founded the Black Hawks and then named the team after his division— mm which in turn had been named after the great warrior Blackhawks. But, but, but hold so on. it's but, different from All right, I'll give you that, Lester. Redskins. But I'll give you that. But the Blackhawks are well aware of uh, Tommy Hawk is a good example of a, of a more modern mascot that they changed and made it a bird or something like that. And, right. and the idea being they're aware of it. I mean, because at the end of the day, you can honor history and honor Native American heritage and culture but at the end of the day, it's a, it's, a fa it's, a, it's a face on a jersey. And to me, I feel like it, it's, it's a no-brainer at this time in our, our, our moment in, in America in 2020 to say, you know what, a face of a human being is just, I don't know, not necessarily mascot material. Many people have made that criticism, and the Blackhawks as an organization have fought it under the former president and CEO, John McDonough, a marketing genius, they went so far as to restore 
the statue yeah. of Chief Blackhawk down in Oregon, Illinois, 48-foot statue that the Hawks organization managed to restore. And it's a most impressive thing. If somebody ever wants to go down there, it's about 100 miles west of here, uh, near Rockford. And the logo that the Hawks use that's on the sweaters and on the ice has become recognized as one of the best logos in all of sports. It is so distinctive, and somehow they have escaped. Somehow, I, yeah. I would guess they would continue to escape, but we'll see. But yeah. this is a different time that we're going through right now. Well, as as usual, money is <laughs> when, you're, when you have a very popular logo, and uh, it's all about marketing and money, that seems to win out. But, again, it may change. Lester Munson, sports legal analyst, longtime writer at Sports Illustrated ESPN, Uh, joins us today on Reset. Lester, great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Justin. And that's today's Reset. If you have a question, a comment, or even a suggestion for a segment, leave it on our voicemail line, 888-915-9945. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. Catch you back here tomorrow. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.